Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VUF. AstraZeneca has provided a sponsorship grant towards this independent program. Welcome to this Peer Voice panel discussion on hepatocellular carcinoma. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Drs. Amit Singhal and Josephine Feliciano and Professor Caroline Robert. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, welcome to our program today. My name is Amit Singhal. I'm a transplant hepatologist and a liver cancer specialist from UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to our activity today on CTLA-4 checkpoint inhibitors in HCC. I have the honor and I'm very pleased to have my colleagues, Professor Caroline Robert, a melanoma specialist from Gustave Roussy in Paris, France, and Dr. Joy Feliciano, a lung cancer specialist from Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland, joining me today in this discussion. In the first part, we will explore the different CTLA-4 agents that are currently approved in advanced HCC, and we will share insights from our colleagues from the areas of melanoma and non-small cell lung cancer. Let's briefly review the evolving therapeutic landscape that we've seen in advanced stage HEC. We can see that we've made tremendous progress moving from a single agent available in 2008, serafinib, to now having multiple agents available in the first line and second line setting. Most recently, we've seen the introduction of immune checkpoint inhibitor pathways with the combination of atizolizumab and bevacizumab um, via the IM Wave 150 trial, and most recently, the combination of dervalumab and tremolimumab via the Himalaya trial. Notably, this combination of dervalumab and tremolimumab is our first combination where we move away from the VEGF backbone and have two um, different immune checkpoint inhibitors um, uh, combined to induce responses and improve survival. Now, before we get into the details, I think it's worthwhile thinking about what are immune checkpoint inhibitors. Immune checkpoint inhibitors are monotherapy or combination therapy that form now part of the HEC armamentarium and have been extensively used in multiple other cancer types. Immune checkpoint inhibitors are regulators of T-cell activation and act by preventing interaction between checkpoint proteins with their ligands. And by inhibiting this interaction, we restore activation of T-cell anti-tumor function. So some people describe this as taking your foot off the brake and thereby keeping T cells active. Although there are several immune checkpoint pathways, the two that have been primarily targeted to date um, across cancer types and specifically in HCC are the PD-1, PD-L1 pathway, and the second being the CTLA-4 pathway. And these two pathways really work at different stages in the immune system and thereby working together can really increase the effect. So with this in mind, Carolyn, can you explain some of the differences between these two immune checkpoint inhibitor pathways? Thank you, Dr. Singel, for this question. Yes, of course, we would like to know exactly what we do when we give these immune checkpoint inhibitors. Well, this is an example with the melanoma as an example where we have tumor-associated antigens that are taken up by the antigen-presenting cells to the draining lymph nodes. And here you see a magnification of what happens in the draining lymph node where the tumor-associated antigens are presented to the lymphocytes, to the naive lymphocytes, and where after 
this presentation, co-stimulation taking place. There is CTLA-4 that will be expressed and that will uh, decrease this activation, that will end the process. And of course, when we block CTLA-4, we block this break. And so we allow a continuous activation of the immune system. This is at this step of the lymphoid organs. Then when the tumor arrives in a metastasis, we also have lymphocytes who arrive here. These lymphocytes are activated initially uh, by the tumors. I mean, we hope so. And at some point, uh, there is a sort of exhaustion after activation. The lymphocytes express PD-1 that will give a negative signal. So another negative signal that will lead to the decreased activation of the lymphocyte. And uh, by blocking PD-1, we have an effect probably more at the periphery than a CTLA-4 that blocks at the initial steps of the immune response. Great. Thank you so much for explaining that. Now, here we can see how these um, different CTLA-4 inhibitors, either in um, single agent or in combination, have been um, approved in these three different cancer types, melanoma, non-small cell lung cancer, and now HCC. Once again, what we can see here is that it's ipilimumab, which is a CTLA-4 inhibitor, plus minus nivolumab, which is a PD-1 inhibitor, which has been approved in these three different cancer types. And more recently, now we've seen uh, tremolimumab and duralimab, both approved in non-small cell lung cancer, as well as HCC. So, Caroline, my understanding is that CTLA-4 inhibitors were first approved in melanoma more than a decade ago and are used both as monotherapy and in combination. Can you please share your experiences on the use of CTLA-4 inhibitors in melanoma and discuss the rationale for dual immunotherapy, including benefits and challenges? Dr. Singal, indeed, ipilimumab was a, a revolution in our field of metastatic melanoma when uh, we finally had a drug that could prolong the life of our patients. Uh, until then, we had nothing. And the drug was approved in 2011 based on a clinical trial that uh, evaluated ipilimumab versus vaccine in pretreated patients. And then it was evaluated with a chemotherapy and we found that, in fact, the drug was as well used as a single agent. So first, immunotherapy authorized in metastatic melanoma. It was also found to be effective in patients with stage 3 resected melanoma in the adjuvant set setting, so versus placebo. It was a positive trial. It was authorized in 2015 in the US, but because of the adverse events that were uh, less difficult to accept in the adjuvant setting, it was not authorized in other countries. It was not authorized in Europe. But there is a strong rationale to combine CTLA-4 blockade and PD-1 blockade. Why? Because remember what we said before, these two drugs do not do exactly the same thing. They both block negative immune checkpoint, but not at the same level and not exactly in the same way. So combining CTLA-4 blockade and PD-1 blockade was evaluated in Checkmate 067, which is a trial that we see here with the three uh, curves, Ipilimumab single agent, this is the below curves. You see the intermediate curve, this is nivolumab, PD-1 blockade, and the top curve above all the others is the best treatment that we have today to treat patients with metastatic melanoma is the combination of PD-1 blockade plus CTLA-4 blockade. 
So we have now with this combination about 50% of our patients alive with metastatic melanoma. This is an incredible improvement compared to what we had before. Of course, there is a downside, which is the, the risk of adverse events. We are going to talk about that later. That's fantastic. Joy, can you explain how um, uh, CTLA-4 inhibitors have been used in non-small cell lung cancer? Sure. Thank you for um, inviting me today. Um, there's a couple of different ways that CTLA-4 inhibitors have been used in non-small cell lung cancer. Um, in contrast to melanoma, we don't have a single agent approval uh, for non metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, but we do have three approvals in the U.S. Uh, in the last few years of dual checkpoint inhibition. The first study that uh, garnered approval for a CTLA-4 inhibitor was the Checkmate 227 study which looked at ipilimumab and nivolumab in combination and compared this to chemotherapy. The next study was the Checkmate 9LA study, and the rationale for that was to give a finite amount of chemotherapy, particularly to try to increase the activity as well as uh, uh, response um, to therapy more quickly, and that was with platinum-based chemotherapy for two cycles in addition to the ipilimumab and the nivolumab. And then most recently, we have the combination of tremolimumab and dervalumab, plus also, again, a finite amount of chemotherapy uh, in combination for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. And importantly, all of those studies met their primary endpoint of improved overall survival compared to standard chemotherapy alone. So some of the rationale to combine immune checkpoint inhibitors is to use uh, separate but complementary pathways to try to increase the response in difficult to treat cancers. So for example, um, nivolumab and ipilimumab have been used in the checkmate studies and in combination have been found to improve overall survival in patients with um, advanced lung cancer. Now, while the median overall survivals are significantly higher, what's also important to note is that there is a tail of the curve of long-term survivors. And so I think it's important to look at not just the median survival, but also the uh, long-term survival rates in these patients. The longest survival data that has been reported has been for Checkmate 227, for example. And interestingly, although this was based on a descriptive analysis, for example, in Checkmate 227, that patient populations who may not have typically been considered to be likely uh, responders to immunotherapy are actually having um, important similar improvements in overall survival. So, for example, patients with PDL1 expression less than 1% have seemed to have additional uh, overall survival advantage with these combinations. Thanks, Joy. That's fantastic. Um, much like you, 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 your experiences in lung cancer, we're now seeing similar data come out in HCC. Here we can see data from study 22 that looked at single-agent dervalumab versus single-agent tramalimumab versus the combination. And much like you showed in the prior um, slide, 
we see that using the combination of devalumab and tremolimumab, so a combination of a PDL1 with a CTLA4, we see notable improvements in median survival. And more notably, we see an elevation in the tail of the curve where we see improvements in long-term survival. These data were very promising and informed this combination moving into the phase three study, Himalaya. So in summary for the first part of this presentation, we can see that blockade of CTLA-4 and PD-1, PDL-1 immune checkpoint pathways um, have revolutionized cancer treatment. CTLA-4 is activated earlier in the immune system, while upregulation of the PD-1, PDL-1 pathway occurs later in the immune response. And so by using combinations of CTLA-4 and PD-1, PDL-1 inhibitors, we can see increased activation of anti-tumor immune responses, which can thereby improve overall survival in patients with distinct cancer types, including non-small cell lung cancer, melanoma, and now data showing this similar benefit in HCC. Thank you so much. Hello, welcome to our program. My name is Amit Singhal. I'm a transplant hepatologist and a liver cancer specialist from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to today's activity on CTLA-4 checkpoint inhibitors in HCC. I'm honored and very pleased to have my colleagues, Professor Caroline Robert, a melanoma specialist from Gustave Roussy in Paris, France, and Dr. Joy Feliciano, a lung cancer specialist from Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland, joining me today. In this part, we will explore long-term outcomes and safety of CTLA-4 inhibitors in HCC and gain insights about these immune checkpoint inhibitors from both melanoma and non-small cell lung cancer. To start, let's review the approved CTLA-4 inhibitors that we have in HCC. We have the combination of devalumab plus tremolimumab, a PDL1 inhibitor plus a CTLA-4 inhibitor, which is approved in the first-line setting as of 2022, um, after data from the Himalaya trial showing this to be superior to serafinib in the first-line setting. We also, in the United States, have accelerated approval of the combination of ipilimumab and nivolumab, CTLA-4 and a PD-1 inhibitor, which is authorized in the second line um, after failure of serafinib therapy. Now, in terms of um, the combination of devalumab and tremolimumab, this was really shown to be beneficial in the Himalaya trial a large randomized control trial of this combination versus serafinib in the frontline setting. Um, the combination was given in a unique manner of tremolimumab given as a single upfront priming dose, so single dose tremi, then followed by repeated intervals of devalumab thereafter. Um, the combination of devalumab and tremolimumab showed a significant improvement in overall survival in the frontline setting Median survival, 16.4 versus 13.8 months. Notably, median survival does not um, fully capture the benefit of this combination in the frontline setting. Because what we see over time is that we see the tail of the curve being elevated, where we see the potential for long-term survival benefit. The initial report from the Himalaya trial showed a, an improvement in three-year overall survival as a pre-specified secondary endpoint, 30.7 versus 19.8 months. We recently saw 48-month survival being reported from this trial, where we see continued benefit of the stride regimen in the first-line setting with a four-year survival of 25%. We also see um, that this combination is able to induce responses in approximately 20% of patients. 
Now, notably, this is a, um, a safe combination in the frontline setting. Um, the proportion of patients who had grade three, four adverse events being very um, uh, low across all different um, adverse types. Um, we see that the most common adverse events um, in the patients who received Dervalumab and Tremolimumab um, being diarrhea and an elevated AST. All the other um, uh, adverse events that were observed were less than 5% in terms of grade three, four adverse events. So Joy, um, my understanding is that um, Dervalumab and Tremolimumab was also recently approved in non-small cell lung cancer. Can you review some of the data and some of the key messages that you think our listeners should take home? Yeah, so um, dervalimab and tremolimumab was our most recent approval in combination with chemotherapy for advanced non-small cell lung cancer. I would say, as you mentioned, some of the key messages is that uh, in combination, even even in patients who have had uh, discontinuation, for example, due to toxicity, we see long-term uh, survival. And so I think key take home is that patients who have response may have very durable responses and hopefully we'll see the long-term survivals uh, plateau just as we have in other combination trials. That's, that's great. I think that, you know, I, I think some of the messages that we can see across both these cancer types is that the combination of immune checkpoint inhibitors, um, you know, are able to induce, um, long-term survival. To your point, those patients who have a response appear to do better, um, which really highlights the importance of how we assess response when people, when patients are on immunotherapy. Caroline, does this reflect what you've seen in melanoma? Anything to add from your perspective? And can you specifically um, discuss how we should assess response for patients being treated with immunotherapy? Dr. Singal, you are right. Uh, in fact, uh, when we begin, we began to use immune checkpoint inhibitor, we had to change the way we evaluate our patients because uh, the dynamic of response is very different. First, we have sometimes patients who have a delay before we can observe the response. So we have to be sometimes to, to wait until we see something before saying that the drug is not working. And plus, sometimes, as you know, we have what we call pseudo-progression, that the patient has an increase of the size of the metastasis before they uh, regress. And this is very difficult to uh, know how to do in this situation because sometimes it's a real progression and we will have to stop the treatment try something else. And sometimes it's a pseudo-progression. The patient will ultimately respond and it's a very good response. So we still have to work to try to understand how to recognize upfront a pseudo-progression. But uh, this is something that is very new. And now most of the physicians know that to make sure that the patient is really not responding to the treatment, we have to confirm the progression if it's possible, if the patient is not progressing too rapidly. Fantastic. So we can see across these three different cancer types, CTLA-4 inhibition, um, you know, plus minus uh, PD-1, PD-L1 inhibition is really beneficial in terms of inducing responses as well as long-term survival. Of course, everything that we do in medicine, we have to think both of the, the pros and the cons. So we have to think of the potential adverse events that we can see with CTLA-4 inhibition. So when we take a look at this from the Himalaya trial, we can see that grade three, four immune-related AEs were observed in about 12.5% of patients. 
Steroids were given in about 20% of patients, and immune-related AEs led to death in approximately 1.5% of patients. Overall, I think our interpretation of these data is that overall the stride regimen was regarded as being safe, um, and no unexpected AEs were observed. Now, um, one of the other things that we see also reported across cancer types is that those patients who have an immune-related AE appear to have um, better um, outcomes, not worse outcomes. And so here you can see um, a, a, a subsequent analysis of the Himalaya trial comparing those patients who had an immune-related AE to those who did not. And we see median survival being longer in those patients who have an immune-related AE, as well as improved survival at several um, evaluated landmarks. Caroline, can you um, briefly discuss some of the common immune-related AEs that you observe in clinical practice and that our listeners should watch out for when they're treating their patients? It's very important to talk about adverse events indeed. They are mostly similar from one cancer type to another, I think, but some are different. We have some exceptions. For example, vitiligo is very frequent in patients with melanoma, which is easy to understand. And usually it's associated with a good response. But for to tell the patient that the adverse events are frequent with immune checkpoint inhibitor, they are more frequent when we combine CTLA4 blockade and PD-1 blockade. Most of the adverse events are not serious. We can manage them. We can help the patient, but we have to tell our patient that some adverse events might be severe. They are not always predictable. And we have to tell them that some adverse events will be permanent. For example, the loss of the thyroid function, like hypothyroidy, is happening in 10 to 15% of the patients patients that we treat with uh, this combination, and these patients will have to take thyroid hormone all their lives. So it, and uh, we have to tell them that sometimes severe adverse events like myocarditis or encephalitis or diabetes may also occur. So they have to be aware of that. These last adverse events I just talked about, they are very rare, but of course, we as physicians have to be aware of that. And now there are guidelines that are well done and they actually improve over the years to know how to best detect and manage these immune-related adverse events. Thank you. Joy, one of the things that I think we have to be cognizant of is that these immune-related AEs can differ if you're using single-agent versus combination immune checkpoint inhibitors. Can you talk about some of the differences that we would expect, both in terms of timing and severity of immune-related AEs, um, uh, depending on different types of agents? Yes. So some of the things that we're seeing is that, particularly in combination with CTLA-4 inhibitors combined with either PD-1 or PDL one therapies, we're seeing that these um, autoimmune adverse events appear to be occurring sooner than with either type of immune checkpoint inhibitor in monotherapy. So we're seeing immune toxicities occur sooner in the treatment course, as well as with some increased severity. So in particular, more uh, colitis and hepatitis in the combination than we would typically see as monotherapy. But to your point, 
We do also see that even in patients who have to discontinue therapy for a treatment-related adverse event, that overall survival still appears to be better in those patients who received the combination therapy than who didn't. So I, not to minimize the these types of toxicities can be, be severe or even fatal, um, but that it is not an automatic poor outcome for patients from a survival standpoint to have one of these toxicities. Yeah, very important point. I'd like to summarize some of the main points that we've heard over the last 10 minutes. Um, similar to melanoma and non-small cell lung cancer, we see long-term durable benefits of uh, dual CTLA-4 and PD-1, PD-L1 um, inhibition um, in patients with HCC. Um, the phase three Himalaya study, as well as the updated four-year analysis, shows that patients treated with the combination of Dervalumab and Trimalumumab uh, can experience long-term survival. And this is really independent of response, although we see better survival in those patients who have a response. Of course, once again, we need to think through potential adverse events and awareness of these adverse events, um, particularly immune-related adverse events related to CTLA-4 inhibition is crucial for patients achieving optimal monitoring and management. Uh, I'd like to um, end by thanking um, Joy and Caroline for, for joining me today and thank all of you for watching. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.